0: Jackie A and Brent B. Mr. Alex Black is returning to the show today. Alex is the president and CEO of Rio2 Limited, a Chile-focused gold project developer advancing the Phoenix Gold Project in the Atacama region of Chile. Rio2 is a position held within the Opportunities Portfolio of Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol RIO and also on the US OTC Markets under the symbol r i o f f alex welcome back to the show
1: thanks andrew good to be back i enjoy catching up with you on a regular basis so thanks for the invite
0: yes absolutely it's always good to have you here so i understand you just wrapped up with the uh the denver conference um what was your reflection coming out of that? Uh, did you see a lot of interest? Um, obviously, I don't think you were there on the floor, but I hear it was a little bit mixed this year.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think uh, the general market for precious metal stocks is pretty subdued, as you probably know and, and, and listeners know. So, yeah, it's just interesting times. You know, we, we've got a a pretty strong gold market even a silver market, even though I'm not a silver guy, but, um, you know, and there's just no real interest in it um, from the point of view of mining stocks. And the general feeling I I got from a lot of people that I spoke to at the conference, and when I say people, I mean, you know, investors and funds and et cetera, is that, you know, there's a lot of damaged and jaded people. (laughs) you know, from past disasters. And, um, you know, here we are, a junior that's fully funded to production going into the construction phase. It's like, you know, everybody is just treading on eggshells around us, wondering whether we're gonna get there and whether when we come out the other end, we're going to deliver as we say we're going to. So quite interesting that there's been a lot of damage done in the past that's still stuck in people's minds about the performance of the sector. That's unfortunate. I, I guess maybe generational change will change that, but uh, there's still some some uh, people with uh, memories of disasters of the past.
0: Well, I think the good thing, Alex, at the end of the day here is that, you know, you guys are set up pretty well here. And of course, the uh, the cash flows will speak for themselves when things go here. And obviously that respect will come in in due course here and that's coming right down the pipe. So don't get too down. There's some good things happening, inclusive of Rio2. You guys are in that sweet spot of starting to catch attention in my view, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll take some time, hard to say, uh, especially. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's it's just, yeah, I'm just answering your question about the general sentiment. I don't don't think there's a, you know, an overwhelming positive sentiment towards the metal sector, despite being in a, a pretty good price environment. So um, it's just a weird, it's just a weird feeling. I'm, I'm not not generally, I'm not necessarily talking about Rio Rio 2 now. It's just a a strange feeling. It's it's it's
0: yeah. It's just strange. So any thoughts here on the gold price? Comments here other than we know it works <laughs> well for Phoenix Project. Obviously, it works pretty
1: well. yeah on you, Andrew. Because I everybody asked me about what's happening with the share price, what's happening with the gold price, what's happening with politics in Chile, what's happening. And I just say, look, I'm a mining guy, and uh, I got no clue. And so, you know, I I look at the gold price, and obviously I look at history. And, um, you know, from, uh, can't remember, from 2013 to 2019, we uh, had a gold price that uh, averaged about uh, 1250 for that period of time, so nearly five years. And now we saw, a rise in back in 2019, um, you know, which has averaged about 2,000 uh, sorry, um, $1,800, $1,750 to $1,800 for the last couple of years. So I look at that and I think, well, if that continues, I'll be very, very happy. Now, will it go further up potentially? Could it go down potentially? Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going in on in the uh, fiscal um, Management of com- countries and, uh, and 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 country balance sheets, etc. So uh, I'm no expert at that, but um, the thing I like is that we've had this two years of a new base forming at around $1,800. So for me, as a, a future miner, if we can hold that level, um, we're going to be very very happy about that. So um, I I don't have a prediction for the gold price, but I feel that we may have seen a new base formed.
0: You know, we need to put a, a DR in front of your name, Dr. Alex Black, both mining engineer and also economist, and, and a communist from the, the, the standpoint of, you know what your economics are for your project, Alex.
1: <laughs> Ex- exactly, and, th- and, that, and that's the only thing that I can control and my management team can control is what we do on the ground. And I know you're probably gonna ask me questions about Chile and maybe some of those uh, people that are registered for this call are gonna ask me questions about Chile and the supposed tax hikes and other things that may happen in Chile. And my reaction to that is if I had a marginal project, I'd be nervous, but I don't have a marginal project. You know, our project breaks even at about $1,100 gold. I think it will break even even less than that because once we get into the mining phase, will improve and, 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 and do better on cash costs and what we've conservatively predicted in our um, pre-feasibility study. So for me, if there's an impost of additional taxes and who knows, let's say it's $100 an ounce or something like that in equivalent terms, it's not gonna break the, the project or the company, right? So that's that's all I can say about that. Taxes are going up all around the world, as we all know, and Chile's not gonna be an orphan in doing that, you know, in, in, in that environment. Taxes are gonna go up here in Peru where I live. Taxes are gonna go up in the US. As you, as you know, Mr. Biden is uh, talking about that now. And, um, you know, so it's gonna happen all around the world. And that's because of all, you know, the stimulus that's been going on, the paying back a debt that supposedly should happen. <laughs> um etc etc
0: i'm satisfied on Chile, no question there so we're we're good there let's move into uh some of the recent happenings at the company as far as uh maybe just update us here post project financing alex just give us the overview of the rio 2 capital structure
1: we uh announced our financing through to uh, production uh, a few weeks ago and that was by way of the fact that we did a 3 pronged. Financing for the company. We we did some equity. We did about $35 million Canadian um, as part of the financing package. And that accounted for uh, I think just a little less than 20% of our market valuation. So it wasn't a highly diluted financing at the time. Um, we also took down a gold stream with uh, wheat and precious metals of 50 million US. And we also announced the fact that we're working with BNP Paribas, a big uh, international bank, on providing us with um, senior secured debt once we get our construction permit in place. So, and the reason we structured things that way um, and took on a stream at this early stage is because, once again, we didn't want to do a lot of dilution from a share capital perspective. Uh, our share price wasn't justifying doing a a large equity financing. And also the fact that we want to do a lot of pre-construction work, activity, prior to getting our construction permit uh, in about August next year. So the easiest way of doing that was to convince a, a group like Wheat and Precious Metals to give us some money now, and they're going to give us half of that $50 million on signing of definitive agreements, which will happen in the next next few weeks. Then another $25 million once we receive our EIA, Environmental Impact Assessment, approval. And that's guided for March of next year. So once you get your EIA approved, then it's about three or four months of papering and, and you get your construction permit. So that's why we're predicting about August next year we'll have our construction permit. But what we intend to do with the money from wheat and also this equity that we've raised is to get a jump on construction. And the reason we can do that is that we've got a, what we call an infrastructure site about 20 kilometres away from the mine site. And it's located on the main road at the turn off to our mine site. It's at 3,200 3, metres above sea level. So it's at an elevation where you can work and sleep and operate relatively well without too many effects of altitude. It's there that we'll, we'll use that infrastructure site as a staging point for the fabrication of the project, of the plant components, etc. that will then be transported up to the mine site, 20 kilometres away, so not far away, and assembled once we have our construction permit in place. So our construction permit by pure definition is really an assembly permit. And also we've been able to very well understand the permitting regime in Chile and the processes you've got to go through. And there are certain things, because we started permitting this project when we filed the EIA um, in April last year. The thing is that we'll have permits in place over the next 12 months before we get our construction permit that will allow us to do certain things like put in access roads, like uh, actually put in some foundations for for the um, um, plant and workshop infrastructure at the site before we get our construction permit. That's all doable with the permitting regime that we're dealing with. So we as a small company can't afford to to waste time. And, um, you know, a big company can say, well, we'll just wait and we'll, you know, do this all later when we get everything in, you know, all our ducks in a row. We can't afford to do that. We've we got to get moving. And we want to capitalise on this. High metal price environment. So, what we're doing is not typical, but I can say that you know we we come with a track record. We've built two similar open pit uh, run of mine heap leach operations in the past with, with our previous company Rio Alto at La Arena and Shawindo. and we did the same thing there. We expedited both those projects. So we're pretty used to fast tracking things. And that's what we're doing so so hopefully that gives you an overview of how we've structured the financing why we've structured the financing and obviously um you know the impact on our capital structure has not been immense by this small financing 35 million dollar financing that we did just recently
0: yeah alex that sounds good and i think this indicates your level of confidence and comfort level dealing with the local authorities as far as the regulatory environment goes i mean if you guys are going to spend the capital Makes sense because of some of the lead time items, some of the disruptions with regards to lead time, having access to your guys' staging area and camp to build out some of this stuff and do some of the preliminary works in absence of a permit, I think, indicates that uh, you guys are serious about what you're saying here and and going to deliver on. Let me ask you this. uh, With the project financing done, another confidence question here, and I think it's pretty easy for you to answer. Do you see the need? for any capital prior to commissioning or do you see this carrying you right through to sustaining cash flows?
1: This will see us through. Um, That's why we structured it this way. Our capex for the project is about $110 million. That's before contingencies, before potential cost overruns, et cetera. So, uh, and we're borrowing, um, when you look at the equity plus the stream, plus the senior secured debt, we've got borrowing capacity up to about $135 million, right, so we've got enough fat there to allow us to continue this through to production, and that was the whole objective of doing this financing, was to get, it fully, get the project fully financed. Now, we're in a good position, but I also need to stress to listeners that this is a very, very simple, Gold oxide heap leach operation. It's got beautiful, clean metallurgy. We put out some results a few weeks ago about run of mine test work that we did uh, at the project. Very favorable. So we took out the crusher. We're not gonna have a crusher because we got the same results on recovery that we got with a crusher. So it's pointless to include the crusher. Um, that means we don't double handle the material. It goes straight from the pit to the leach pad. That's simplicity. We don't have conveyors. We don't have the need for agglomeration um, because there's no fines, there's no clays in this material. And so, you know, it's a very straightforward heat bleach operation. And and it's really an earth moving exercise from the pit to the pad, pit, pad, pit, pad. And let me tell you, if you're working at altitude, keeping things simple is the best way you can go. Uh, because obviously working at altitude does impact the thought process and, you know, alertness and all that sort of stuff. So the simpler you can make it, the better you can be. The other thing is because of the simplicity, the plant is very simple. It's an ADR plant, adsorption, desorption. What is that? That is a plant that is comprised of pipes, tanks, pumps. That's the simple configuration of the process plant. There's no complex machinery, no crushers, no grinders, no no nothing. So that's the other beautiful thing. And the other thing is, when we produce gold, we do that in a heat bleach pad and there are no tailings, right? Because we're not producing any concentrates, we're not producing something, a residue that's going to be left over, as is the case with a a tailings operation. so we've got a very simple operation and it's unique in that Maracunga region. There's nothing like it in the Maracunga region from the point of view of pure gold oxide here bleach. So people just need to be aware of that.
0: Alex, with regards to... So, so next year, permit in hand, probably somewhere around 3Q 2022. Yeah. Talk about the milestones thereafter wrap up commissioning.
1: Well, once again, going back to what I said before about fact that we'll be assembling once we get that construction permit, we feel today, as we're predicting today, and that's all we can do, is that we'll be producing first gold around the end of next year, right? Now, whether that's just before year end or just after year end, I'm not 100% sure, but you know, it's gonna be around year end. So that's pretty quick, right? And, And that just shows you how we're thinking about getting a jump on a lot of the pre production activities to allow us to do that. But because we've got a simple project, it's doable, right? It is achievable. And, you know, people have asked me what's my biggest concern going forward. And really, the only thing that really worries me is the unknown impact of COVID going forward, right? Because COVID has been devastating down here in Latam, in Peru, in Chile, and in, in lots of Latin American countries. I don't know if we're going to have another wave of this virus. I don't know if that's going to, you know, because Chile has, you know, been pretty conservative. It's just recently opened up its borders to foreigners. So, you know, it's it's just don't know what that's going to do. And so, what impact could COVID have on us is really a time impact, not really a financial impact, because I think we we, we understand how we're going to manage through that. But it really will be a time impact. So. Hopefully, and and as we're thinking today, it's the end of next year, first production.
0: Well, that sounds good. And keep those long lead items on order and coming in quickly. And if everything goes to plan and you guys get up as anticipated, uh, up to capacity as anticipated, how quickly do you see that you're going to pull the trigger potentially on an expansion based on everything going well?
1: Yeah, okay. That's a good question. Unfortunately, we can't expand the project until we find additional water. Right now, we're water constrained, and as everybody knows, we're trucking the water from Kopiapo to the project. We're in the middle of the EIA uh, review and, and observation process. I can tell everybody: nobody, not one person, from a local perspective, has raised any issue about us trucking the water to the project. So, just so everybody's clear on that. But from an economic standpoint and from a, an operational standpoint, the maximum we can do is 20,000 tonnes a day of water pad, which will require about 20, the flow of about 25 litres a second, which is what we're going to do with the trucks bringing up the water from the a, from from a pipe. So to expand the project, it, we're going to have to find more water, and we're working on that now. So we believe there's the opportunity to secure subsurface water closer to the project. That will, if we're successful in, in in getting getting that, first you've got to apply for water rights, and the second thing is you've got to permit those water rights in Chile. If we can get those water rights permitted, we'll build a pipe from the, the water wells that we're, we've identified, and um, and then um, you know pipe the water to the project. Now, what can this project grow to? with additional water, it can grow to four or five times the size it currently is configured at, which means not 20,000 tonnes a day, but 80 to 100,000 tonnes a day. If we get to that level, right now our guesstimate is we'll be producing somewhere between 250 and 300,000 ounces a year. Right now we're on target to produce 100,000 ounces a year. So it's a marked uh, step up and I think we'll achieve it um but we've got to put our foot on the water rights that i was talking about that probably won't get announced till later this year and uh once we've done that then we can talk about it we can also do a study on what the project's going to look like at
0: a a larger scale so yeah
1: this project is expandable but it depends
0: on water and with cash flows coming in there alex i suspect you guys will get probably right to work on the study part of it and start chipping away at some of those additional options um inclusive of you know pipelines and these other
1: good thing is we're cash flowing at that point we're cash flowing and a lot of the expansion capital can be self-funded you know and having BNP paribas as our primary bank lender the reason they're lending to us is because they realize the expansion potential of this project and the fact that it, it could generate more business for them and so we've got the right partners, and I think you know having BMP and Wheat and Precious Metals as partners goes a long way to validating our project, validating Chile because those guys are not afraid to invest in Chile, so it bodes well for the future.
0: Recently, you guys had a note that came out that says you know the company and Sixth Wave signed up together and are looking at some processing technology. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about that and what it does for you?
1: Yeah I mean the sixth wave technology is quite interesting. What it does is that they have some special polymers that replace the need for carbon in the absorption uh, process that, that uh, a heap bleach operation would go through. So adsorption is when you pump the pregnant solution, uh, cyanide solution, through, through carbon filled tanks. The gold gets captured by the carbon and you then strip the carbon and and you know get the gold out but when you do that you've got to heat up the, the carbon you've got to uh, at, at certain times you've got to regenerate the carbon because it doesn't last forever and so there's a cost involved in in the carbon process it's what we're going to build this project with to start with. But with Six Wave, what we've been looking at is their polymer process, which replaces the carbon, which means you don't have to do all this um, handling and treatment of the carbon, which will lower the uh, the cost of operation. Uh, and we're looking at it as a possible solution for this project to replace carbon in the expansion, not to start with, but when we expand. So. We're willing to work with 6-Wave and we're going to be working with them from now through, we're going to have a, par- hopefully we're going to get to a point where we have a parallel, they build a small plant parallel to our carbon plant um, so that we can really uh, test this in, in real life um, to determine whether whether it's something we want to implement when we go through the expansion. If we do it at the expansion then we take the carbon out, we go to full polymer um, adsorption, and it becomes a, a cost saving for us if we can do that. So um, we're willing to try this new technology. It's not costing us much money to do that. You know, going forward, it's all about conserving energy, conserving costs and uh, trying out new technology.
0: Alex, just for the audience, can you just you know clarify the, uh, the heap leach process and cyanide usage here?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the water gets mixed with the cyanide. So what you do is you put ore on the pad, right, Which is just a, um, a bowl with with, with some uh, plastic lining on it. Uh, you put the um, the broken material on there, the broken ore. You then reticulate that ore with with um, uh, piping. So you put a network of piping on the on the top of the pad. In the in our case, it'll be below the surface of the pad because of the the cold conditions that we're working in, but that's fine. Um, You know, we probably buried a metre under the the surface of the pad. And you irrigate the pad with a solution of water and cyanide. Cyanide's in liquid form. So that cyanide um, dribbles through the pad, and as it goes, it collects the gold, and the gold sticks to the cyanide. That's why you do it with cyanide. Um, The good thing about what we do is, we run a closed circuit, which means we don't pump any of that cyanide or water into the environment. It it always stays in the circuit. Um, And the only way we lose it is by evaporation, uh, which is the water side. Obviously cyanide doesn't evaporate. Um, And so it's a closed circuit. It's it's very safe Um, and um, we, we operate to strict codes and strict uh, rules uh, as far as um, environmental uh, management is concerned. And um, we, as we strip the cyanide, as the cyanide gets passed through the, the carbon, as I was talking about before, the barren cyanide, because the gold stripped out of it, gets recirculated back onto the pad and gets topped up with more water and more cyanide particularly as the pad grows in size, because you don't, you never start with the full pad, you always start with an incremental pad. So you build the pad out as you go. So that hopefully in simplistic terms, describes what happens in a leech project. So that's, and and if people understand that, then you understand the simplicity of doing run of mine heap leaching.
0: Yeah, appreciate that. That's good for the audience, good for some of the ESG crowd, and good for some of the folks who aren't quite uh, up to speed on some of those processes here. Any interest in mergers and acquisitions here at this point? Perhaps if I was to buy the company, uh, what would be the initial price point to attract discussions?
1: (laughs) Everything's for sale (laughs) at the right price, right? Um, No, look, I mean, we are quite keen to be a part of consolidation in the junior sector. I think I've said it in, in, in a lot of discussions I've had with you, you know, one asset companies, um, not really that attractive to a lot of people because all your eggs are in one basket. So we, we've been active looking at opportunities. Are people active looking at us? Not yet, you know, maybe that'll start once we get closer to to the end point. But, um, no, I think uh, before anybody potentially gets interested in taking us out, we we will have possibly done something ourselves, but on a smaller scale, right, and diversifying our asset base. So, um, but there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, we've just done a financing at 65 cents and our share price is struggling to get over that 65 cent hurdle. I don't know why, but once again, that that's just the... Um, sentiment in the market right now you know we don't really have the currency right now to do something but we're looking at things we're always looking at things Um, and if the right opportunity comes along and it's the right time we'll we'll, we'll pull a trigger
0: yeah I think the circumstances will change a little bit here as as you guys get closer certainly once that milestone of the permit in hand obviously uh, comes in I think You guys will be in a situation where cash flows are are close and the equity price will be much higher there to potentially look at maybe a pipeline there. Even with this project expansion, Alex, I mean, you guys, it's not like you don't have time on your side here with that expansion and so forth coming down the pipe. we we
1: I mean, we're not compelled to expand. If we keep this project going at 20,000 tons a day at the current metal price, it's got a mine life of 32 years, which is ridiculous, right? Obviously, that's not optimal, and that's why we're looking at expanding. So, yeah, sure. time's on our side, and and even if we just kept trundling along at 20,000 tons a day at 100,000 ounces a year at a break-even cost of a, um, $1,100 an ounce, we're going to be coining a lot of money right along yep. the way. So that's what it's all about.
0: Absolutely. How about uh, listing upgrades, Alex? Uh, TSX and beyond, perhaps, any changes on that front?
1: No, we're on the venture, so eventually we'll move to the TSX, I guess, uh, which is typical uh, as companies mature in, in our in our space. So that that could happen, but that's about it.
0: Okay, no, that sounds good. And, and on the ESG front, local community work, anything you want to point out on that on those initiatives here?
1: We've done a great job. I've got a, you know I've got one of the best Latin American social teams anybody can have. So we've done a great job. We started as soon as we took ownership of this project three years ago. We started engaging with the um, communities on the social side. So that's exactly what you have to do um, in Latam, particularly. You know, so so things are, are are pretty steady there. There's no red flags, no pushback. Uh, we're operating, or we will be operating in a in a mining rich or mining positive country, being Chile. You know, mining's not a, a new thing there, and uh, the other thing is where we're operating in the middle of the Atacama uh, desert at altitude. There's just nothing there. If anybody likes to go to our website and look at some of the photos there, you would think it was done on Mars by the Mars rover. I mean, there's just nothing there. So that's that's nice too. I mean, you're not impacting people. You're not moving villages. You're not moving. You know, you're not encroaching on anybody you know so that's that's kind of neat.
0: I suspect for the the local communities nearby I suspect is going to have a pretty good positive impact on what you guys are doing there as far as you know indirect and also direct services needed and so forth.
1: The biggest thing they want is jobs. They just want jobs and for as long as possible so that's the thing if you can show a long life uh, project I believe that the support will be there along the way.
0: Well, Alex, for potential investors, including both sophisticated and unsophisticated, Rio 2 stands at about 155 million Canadian market cap here. What would you say to those who are on the sidelines listening about the promises of this company?
1: Well look, you know, I, I've said this in a couple of interviews that I've done recently. Rio 2 is an investment. It's an in, for what it's for people who want to invest their money, not trade. and and make a quick 30% in the next three months or six months because the gold price is gonna go up or something like that. You know, we're we're a real company. We're building a gold mine. We're one of probably a handful of companies that'll be building a gold mine in the next few years, um, listed in Canada, and you've gotta be patient. So if if you're willing to invest money in this company, and sit on it for the next couple of years, two or three years, I think you'll do well. But if you're not prepared to do that, then we're not a company for your money. That's that's all I can say. Because as you know, you know, there's, there's a lot of froth in this market. There's a lot of guys drilling holes. And let me tell you, a drill hole doesn't make an ore body, doesn't make a mine. Um, but it certainly does excite people, particularly on Twitter and, and other places and social media. Um, We're not those sorts of companies, we're we're a mining company, we've got a five million ounce measured and indicated resource in Chile that's fully funded to production. Production will happen in about 18 months and you've got to be prepared to sit on your investment. So, for those who are willing to do that, yeah, take a look.
0: And Alex, best way for interested parties to reach out?
1: Yeah I'm always contactable so my email address is alex.black at rio2.com alex.black at rio2.com so if anybody wants to ask me any questions you can find me in that way I usually answer pretty quickly and the other place I'm active is on Twitter and I'm there as Alex Black I'm not under some fictitious name where Lot of people hide. I'm actually there as a, a real person, happy to, uh, to to correspond with people there as well.
0: Always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, stay the course at Rio 2, and we're looking forward to continued value creation here soon.
1: Yeah, no, I think this is good because you know, as I said to you before, we're one of the few companies that will be building a mine in the next few years. So this is good for people to watch and see the sort of gestation period for a company like us to go from where we are now and where we were three years ago to where we'll be at the end of next year you know people can pick up a lot of points from what happened during that time for a company like us and then when they look at something similar they can say well that took Rio you know Rio two five years to get from that point to the end point so um, I guess that's probably as you know the typical sort of time frame and these are the bumps they went through. And I guess that's the typical sort of bumps we can expect and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a good case study for a lot of people because most junior
0: companies out there are just drilling holes
1: and they'll never build a mine. So that's that's the difference.
0: Let's chat again soon. And in the meantime, stay well, keep up the progress.
1: You too, Andrew. And thanks very much for taking the time to include me in this. And uh, it'll be fun to, to watch us progress over the next 18 months.